0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good middle of the day. Whatever time of day it is, whatever day it is, uh, today's a beautiful day here in England. It's Matt Stocks joining you from Bristol. My cohort, my co-host, my dear friend, my brother. Jesse Leach joins me from Woodstock. Uh, How It's early over there where you are. It's even earlier where our guest is, but how is it looking where you are today? A beautiful Sunday?
1: It is. You could write a song about how beautiful it is. The sun is coming through the trees. The birds are chirping. Um, It's just one of those magical mornings that I cherish so much. One of the reasons I even moved up here is because of mornings like this morning. So that's how
0: good it is. (laughs) Amazing. Is there any writing on the cards for you today? 100% I've been writing every single day. Uh, And I've been getting up earlier, which
1: for those people who have no idea, this is um, the earliest podcast I think I've ever done. Um, But it's nice because the early morning hours are where I get a lot of my good thinking done meditating, preparing for the day. It's a shift in my life over the past few years that I cherish my mornings are my time to be creative. So I'm in good spirits.
0: Well, speaking of early mornings, our guest joins us from the the West Coast, I believe, of America, uh, where it is 5.30 a.m. his time. Now, talk about rock stars sleeping in. Not the case with this man. He is an early bird. He's here to catch the worm. So let's bring him on the show. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, Hot water music front man uh, and just one of the nicest men in punk rock. I love this dude. I saw him very recently. So it's a pleasure to be welcoming him on to stoke the fire. Chuck Reagan. Please join us around the metaphorical, proverbial campfire, dude. Great to see you. Good morning.
2: How are you, gentlemen? Good to see you.
0: Ten out of ten. Have you two ever met before? Have you two ever played a festival or hung out or spent time? I have never met
1: him officially, but um, I have been side stage many times, and I've actually screamed in your face um, back (laughs) in the late 90s um, in small punk rock shows. I was probably five feet from you, putting my arm around you. But we've never officially met.
2: Well, nice to meet you, brother. <laughs> yeah,
0: pleasure. What an amazing story. Let's start there, then. So when did you first see Hot Water Music Live?
1: Uh, so it would have been on the second record, which, you know, I was really into aggressive, heavy, hardcore, like, integrity, bloodlet. I was in a band called Current at the time, playing shows with bands like Overcast, Mike, who's now on Killswitch, uh, Candiria, so very aggressive. Sort of darker poetry and i started getting into discord records type stuff and somebody passed along a hot water music cd to me and i probably didn't stop listening to that for a good solid three or four years obsessed wow. with the lyrics um the tone of it it was just so different it was a breath of fresh air for me because it just felt like it was raw. It was honest. It was emotive. It wasn't hiding behind dark poetry. It wasn't pretending to be what it wasn't. Um, and me and all my friends, it was a small group of us where we, I, I knew every single word and went, go, I got to see you guys at this little place in new Bedford, Massachusetts. I'd say maybe 50, 55 people at most. And we are just, uh, you know, inches from the band and arm in arm with my, my brother's, singing along with you guys and uh, yeah it was kind of an altering moment for me as not only a musician but a young man realizing that you didn't have to sort of like posture you didn't have to be like tough hardcore kid you could actually wear your heart on your sleeve and that suited me a lot better as a person and that shifted me into what i do now with kill switch was very much inspired by bands like yourself chamberlain split lip that era of bands that came out of the aggressive music and still played it aggressively but with a totally different feel so that was a game changer and yeah the lyrics especially just it caught me to the core it, you felt like you were reading the story of somebody's life and i could relate to it so much so yeah huge fan um and up Thank till you. recently we played in alabama at was it called furnace fest yep. we had uh you guys had played earlier that day and uh me and mike the bass player um, are huge fans so we are fan fanboying out on the side stage watching you guys and just uh, I've just been a, a fan of yours from day one when I first learned who you guys were and just how you carry yourself as a human being not to blow up your spot but um, big fan and uh, it's totally an honor and a pleasure
0: to finally actually meet you on camera yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> well thank you very much man that's an honor
0: that's do you honor. remember that time period he's referring to Chuck because you're Absolutely. pretty good with memory
2: uh here and there
1: <laughs>
0: selective <laughs> Yeah, that would have been like 98 probably 98 i
1: think yeah. ish 97
2: 98 yeah we only played new bedford uh would that have been the space no no that was in worcester wasn't it no
1: yeah that was in Worcester. it was a club i think it was a i don't know if it's a vfw hall i mean you couldn't yeah, have, that, i mean we, we played couldn't fit more people back then, yeah for sure and I, I believe it was a, a festival. I think today is the day. Might have been on that too. It was a crazy, weird lineup. I don't remember. That those days for me, they they blend together because I was definitely a, um, taking a lot of drugs and being a crazy kid back then. So I don't remember, but I know it was in New Bedford, a small space, yeah. and it was one of those places where the walls were dripping just with sweat. It was just yeah. it, was, it couldn't have been more hot and disgusting, yeah. but it was incredible. Great I memory. Mean, I, of
2: mine. I can uh, I can completely relate. Um, In so many ways, I think a lot of us that have found ourselves in this type of music scene, music community um, that had anything to do with hardcore punk rock, whatever, call it what you want. um, It seemed like there was a lot of like minded folks, you know, Um, I feel incredibly lucky. You know, I've thought about it a lot. The over the past couple years, especially throughout the whole shutdown and pandemic and everything, kind of going awry. But uh, just thought over the years of how incredibly lucky and blessed I feel to have somehow ended up at the right place at the right time to meet the folks that steered me, helped steer me into a music community like this. You know, um, it just, it's changed my life for the better. You know, those same years that we're talking about, you know, and and, uh, touring for the first time, you know, I think Hot Water's first tour was the summer of 95. Um, and, uh, And we haven't really stopped since then other than, you know, that may be changing different, you know, the bands had a couple different hiatus, uh, you know, moments where we've kind of split done other, other projects. Um, but, you know, we've just kept going and, and I, I look, you know, we play these festivals like the one in uh, the UK where I just saw you, Matt, and uh, you know, running across all these old mates, all these old friends, you know, that we essentially grew up with um, within this scene. And it has just been incredible to kind of look back and realize like how, you know, I think hot water's 28 years old this year, you know? And uh, it's just amazing and feel really lucky to be a part of it. Just lucky to be a piece of the puzzle, you know?
1: Well, it's something that stays with you. I feel like for me, you know it's it's not just music it's a lifestyle you meet people that forever alter your way of thinking bands True. that forever alter your way of thinking and you know i just think of a moment now that just popped into my head um coming back into kill switch after having left and leaving the tour life behind and kind of going a different path but coming back um playing a festival in germany and um randy from lamb of god was standing side stage I was wearing an Operation Ivy t-shirt. I had never met Randy before, personally. I came off stage. He started singing an Operation Ivy song to me. That's how we kind of met. <laughs> and then from that point, we became fast friends because we have this love of Operation Ivy. I see that happen to me all over the place. You know, that specific time frame, those bands that you grew up listening to, whether it be, you know, Minor Threat or or um, Black Flag, you see somebody that's wearing that shirt especially back in those days you knew you had a friend you knew you had somebody that spoke that language and that thing that lifestyle that it just stayed with me forever and it shaped me as a man the person that i am now is so different from who i was back then but i wouldn't be who i am i actually don't even know if i'd be alive without those people in that community
2: this is very true i know that's true for me yeah absolutely
0: you two also share a similarity in that you both grew up in a, you know, fairly religious household where punk yeah. punk and hardcore and metal music was definitely frowned upon. Jesse, why don't you start us off by telling us a bit about, you know, what your dad did for work and uh, what yeah. was allowed and what wasn't allowed in the Leech household growing up.
1: Yeah. I think the word fairly religious is,
0: (laughs) I'm downplaying
2: it. Yes, you are.
1: (laughs) My father was and is still the Reverend Dr. Leroy Leach. He's a highly educated man that was on a mission from God. Honestly, like he, we traveled so much. We would pick up and leave every couple of years to either Mm -hmm. plant the church or for him to continue his education. And, um, everything we did was to, to, to be right with God. And my mother was supportive and we would go to church three times a week. You know, we'd go on Wednesdays, for Bible study, people would come I, to my house. Yeah. You know, uh, I grew up speaking in tongues and, you know, all like the really hardcore uh, stuff, um, yeah. <laughs> which, which I'm sure you can relate to and we'll, and we'll let you speak on this. Cause I'm sure you can pick it up from where I'm, I'm putting it down. Uh, and that made me rebel very hardcore against um to this day i still get annoyed with with organized religion and i love my my folks they've loosened up a bit um but they still my mom still sends me scriptures via text you know i still they know i'm working on a new record my mom will send me bible scriptures to help you know like they're still there doing it and i love them dearly i've just chosen a slightly more open-minded different path these days but it shaped me incredibly and um really sort of uh, in good ways and and sometimes in bad ways too.
2: Oh man, I couldn't relate more. Uh, My mother traveled in evangelism and was an entertainer, a ventriloquist, you know, out of all things. And we grew up, you know, she tells me that the first time she took me on the road, I was uh, nine days old. Like she was in the middle of a tour. She used to tour with uh, Billy Graham, uh, Bill the Gaithers. Um, You know, so there was a lot of like gospel festivals and um, you know huge uh, revivals that we grew up uh, going to. Southern Baptists mostly, you know, but she would also go to other different denomination type churches uh prisons schools you name it you know she would travel around and uh sure enough but yeah same same deal you know sunday morning sunday night wednesday evening you know there was always prayer always bible study you know and um yeah but my brother and i boy yeah we rebelled pretty hardcore you know i mean i found I found. Uh, I think the first thing I guess, even before skateboarding, that kind of turned me was bikes freestyle. At the time, the movie Rad came out. Freestyling with, blew my mind. All of a sudden, we wanted to freestyle and bike, and and there were a couple older kids who, you know, it was the first time I was hearing, you know beastie boys or metallica or you know back in those days um there was no one kind of music you know if uh the kids would come come around put the boom box up on the wall right where we used to ride our bikes and um you know it would be it would go from beastie boys to metallica to bad brains to (laughs) minor threat there was all kinds of wild stuff and then after that it was skateboarding you know that definitely you know it was kind of the first time i'd had that rebellion already uh just because you know i'm sure you've seen plenty of it but growing up in a church growing up um in that movement uh I witnessed just a ridiculous amount of hypocrisy, you know. And as I became a young teen, I started realizing what I was seeing and questioning it more and um, just going off the rail, you know, in a big way. Um, When I got to 12, 13 years old, you know, I started... Running away started doing a lot of real nasty stuff to my folks and you know and same deal. I mean I love them to death and you know we lost my dad a while ago, uh, but you know over the past 20 something years we've had a great relationship, you know, Um, you know, I, I can relate with them in a lot of ways in terms of spirituality. Cause I consider myself a spiritual person, but um, as far as organized religion goes, that's, that's where it just, it kind of stops. It doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't, doesn't move freely through my head, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I can relate with you big time that, and it shaped, I mean, shaped the music, the lyrics, you know, shaped everything over the years. Uh, And still does for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I still write about it. um, Yeah. For the most recent record. Um, But I think, you know, having that upbringing, having that sort of moral fiber put into you, you know, that's the good stuff that I still take with me is how to, how to treat people because regardless of the hypocrisy I did see within the church and an organized religion, Um, there was a lot of taking care of your community. Uh, Mm -hmm. my parents, my parents would constantly take people into the house. We Mm -hmm. would, you know, feed the poor, like on the street, handing food to people and looking at them in their eyes, that type of stuff stayed with me. And that's how I, I took that onto my spirituality. I like how you had made the different differentiation. Um, although my father would, although my father would say, you still are religious. You just have created your own religion. So we have this debate, but I have a great relationship with them now and I love them dearly. They're great people, Uh, but it did shape me. Um, And I think initially it was the rebellion and then it sort of became the good parts started to take over as I formed into a young man. And that's where I started to write lyrics that I thought would help people. And that's kind of what got me into what I do now, not just with this podcast, but, you know, mental health awareness and just the care and the love that I was taught yeah, um, that kind of started seeping into my music and my lyrics and my everyday existence. And you know, that community too is crazy and as fucked up as some of those kids were, they were some of the most embracing because it was like, you found your tribe of freaks, you know, you found your, oh, yeah. your group of people who could relate to the crazy shit that was going on in your head and you felt a lot less alone. So the community aspect of that as well, the music um, to this day is, stayed with me and why i still love to tour and like you said go to other countries and see people that you've just known forever and that type of stuff is incredible and i also think um from the traveling and correct me if i'm wrong it kind of shaped you into becoming someone who's comfortable with touring you know i traveled a lot as a kid so i think it's kind of in my blood so maybe you can speak on that do you think that affected you as well
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, my mom, uh, she still tours to this day, you know, and uh, she drives herself. I've never, she's, it's cool to kind of think back on her history. Um, I mean, I'm talking thousands of performances, uh, and she has 100% been DIY the entire way the entire way her whole life books her own stuff communicates with you know the places that she's traveling and drives herself you know i mean lives in a lives in a van lives in hotel rooms and you know in a lot of ways it's kind of it it did i mean we traveled a ton with my mom uh at at an early 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 ages uh You know, there were times where she would even pull us out of school, you know, to go do an event, go do something. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely was, uh, kind of the earliest memories I have was being on the road, you know, doing these, doing these, uh, trips with her. Um, and yeah. And then by the time I was, uh, whatever however old I was summer ninety five you know nineteen early twenties whatever um it it felt completely comfortable to be out there you know i think it's i think it's a healthy thing for young people to travel i i my only wish i don't have any regrets because I love where I am, I love my family, i love you know I don't believe in I know anything that I would have done different could have altered where I am now. And I love where I am now. So I can't say I regret anything, but sometimes I wish I had traveled more by myself. Um, I I find myself talking to a lot of young, young kids uh, who are in that place where they feel a little lost or unsure with what they want to do, where they want to go. And I, I always seem to be pushing them or encouraging them, Hey, grab a backpack, go to Europe, go to another country, go South, go somewhere, experience different cultures, experience different languages. You know, um, I mean, I remember the first time traveling overseas, Uh, We were actually just talking about this last week and how, how uh, um, inspiring it was and how we came back the first time and you look at your own community, you look at your own uh, town surroundings and you just, you're filled with this energy to, to help. Alter it or change it for the better, you know, just by getting out and seeing how other people do it, you know, and I remember coming back uh, from Europe the first time uh, we we went over there and just looking around going, man, we're just we're doing it all wrong. here," (laughs) You know, there's so much more we could be doing, you know, to rally young kids, you know, I mean, you remember the early tours and playing overseas uh, in places where, you know, it was a uh, kindergarten by day and then punk shows at night. And it's just these community centers where everything happens in the same building. You know, there's food growing outside. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was just super, super enlightening and inspiring at an early age for sure.
0: Yeah. Travel is tonic for the soul, isn't it? I travel a lot on my own as a DJ and as a single man, and I absolutely love it. It does get lonely sometimes. And sometimes you wish there was someone there to share the experience with you. But when you are on your own traveling around, you have so much more time to think you get to walk around a lot slower because you're not, you know, trying to march to the beat of anybody else's drum and you can just get lost in, in cities or countryside. And, I wanted to talk to you about nature, Chuck, because I know you're big into, you know, your conservationism and environmentalism. Obviously, you're a very keen fisherman. You, When you're not on tour, you work taking groups out and, and doing tours and stuff. What's the relationship for you between nature and your spirituality? Because we talk a lot on this show about the healing power and, you know, the sure. medi- the medicinal power of just being outside. And we always say if, if Jesse and I don't go out on our regular hikes or, you know kayaking jesse does or if we're not out there for an extended period of time we can feel that dark cloud start to hover above us and then as oh, soon as you're out absolutely. you feel the lightness again so could you you know absolutely. shed a little bit of light on your relationship with the great outdoors
2: sure sure i mean that if i were to have a church that's my church you know um amen brother what's that
1: amen brother
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you know, I believe to me, to me, it's the closest I've ever been to God. And I say that in a way where, you know, God is, God is different to everyone. But to me, you know, since an early age, it has it has been obvious. It's been clear that there is something greater than us. There's a big picture, right? Call it what you will. I just use the word God usually loosely because that's people can somewhat interpret that in so many different ways. Um, To me, when I think about something greater, what I'm thinking about is tides, seasons, um organisms life from from the bottom of the food chain all the way to the top um i think about death just as much as life like uh you know and how both roles are completely important and vital on this planet and um, I mean, to me, that's what I'm talking about when I feel closest to something like that. Uh, I feel the same way. I, I, I really need to be in these environments, um, you know, not only for my well-being, my mental health and everything, but also to pay attention and see changes uh, and impacts uh, whether they're positive whether they're negative um, but especially negative to understand and know what i can do as a person to help better our waterways help better our environment um, but yeah i mean at at home here uh, i'm a fishing guide uh, when i'm not on on the road um, a typical year i would be on the water about 200 days out of the year um you know i it's a rather busy busy business it can be as busy as i want it to be um you know i at the end of the day i'm i'm a i'm an independent worker it's not it's not that much different than being a musician really you know you're doing the same same thing you're going out there you know, busting your ass, trying to make a great impression and, and hope, hopefully you're doing it for the love of it, but you're also hoping people get something out of it. You're hoping that people learn something out of it or take something home with you, with them from, you know, sharing your passion. So in so many ways, it's not that much different. Um, But, you know, I live in Northern California. We're surrounded by Rivers, lakes, a lot of beautiful zones. Uh, I I run three different boats that enable me to do that business year round. If a river blows out, I can go to different places, and and uh, yeah, I mean it's full time. But I mean I I love it. I I love being out there. I need to be out there. It's important for me to, like I said, keep my finger on the pulse, uh, so to speak, on what is happening in our area. Uh, I think, you know, people that like to do stuff like this are usually some of the first people to witness and understand uh, what's happening and, and seeing these impacts that mankind has, you know, on our waterways. We're the ones that are out there, you know, uh more than most people where to to a lot of other folks it may just be out of sight, out of mind, uh, so to speak. But but yeah, man, I, I mean it's uh you know that that would be my church. You know, there's a connection there's a connection that I feel uh with the big picture let's call it um when i'm going regularly and i'm paying attention to the moon phases i'm paying attention to the flows when i lived that the flows as in the river the river flows because it's ever changing Um, you know winter comes the rivers blow out huge islands disappear new islands appear it, the river reroutes at times and, uh, you know, it's, it's incredible to find yourself in a situation where you're really connected with everything, you know, most changes that are happening in that environment. When I lived in Florida um, and I was fishing a lot of saltwater inshore, um, I was paying attention to the tides. Uh, You had to, you know, Uh, when I worked in the California Delta, same deal. You have to pay attention to the tides um, to not only for safety, but, you know, to also find find what you're looking for, finding the fish. And there's a feeling that I would get when everything would line up and. I was looking at my numbers. I was looking at my charts. I was looking at the tides and everything would happen just like it was supposed to. And that feeling of being connected and no one else around you. And you know, you know, like if I wasn't paying attention to this, if I wasn't connected to this, uh, I, I wouldn't have found this, this moment, you know? And, uh, those are the things that I live for and strive for those moments just of being connected, or you mentioned hiking, you know, Um, there were times uh, I remember hiking uh, uh, the parts of the Appalachian trail when I was a young kid and getting off the trail and just kind of finding, seeing something from afar and finding my way and standing in a spot where it felt no one it felt like no one had ever stood there before you know and seeing the sun go down right there or watching the sunrise in a spot that that felt like no one has ever been at that point in time you know and that to me is the greater thing than us. You know, it's so easy for us to get lost um in just the motion of our society. You know, it's so busy, it's so saturated, especially nowadays and, you know, everybody's heads are down, buried in their phones and and uh I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, if we're not careful, um life's gonna life's gonna pass pass us by if we don't pay attention
1: you know? I have to circle back to uh, connectivity and there's so many points that you touched upon I'll do my best because my brain was like oh remember that remember that but stay present to what he's saying I just can relate to everything you're saying so much so connectivity would be the first thing that really stuck with me yeah. um, I, I would say during the pandemic my life changed completely after being on the road constantly for you know the greater part of a decade um without stopping that forcing me to stop and i now live up here in the catskill mountains and become my my church a place i absolutely love i live steps from a river and i would you know come back from tour and i would come up here before i lived up here i'd come up here to escape and get lost in the woods and, and and do those things you're talking about. But it wasn't until I lived out here where I had time to go to that river every day and see how it would change and see how it would reroute. If a, we had a, a crazy rainstorm, I would love, I would run out the next day, like, Oh, how did it change? Like that started becoming my routine. And I started to really change profoundly and learn adaptation. And I sort yeah. of like, I sort of like put that to my life during the pandemic was be present to the changes that are around you. Nature speaks to us. Nature teaches us. Totally. And that yeah. adaptation that you learn from being out in the wilderness for survival or for fishing or for hunting or for hiking and knowing your way around. If you put that into your daily life and the way that I look at everything now is I used to be very reactive And now I let things happen. I sit back and I observe before I speak, before I react. And nature taught me that. Nature taught me that you are not in control. The more you try to hold on to these things, whether it be your career, your, your marriage, whatever the case may be, you're going to be frustrated. You've got to learn balance. And I think connectivity is everything when it comes to being aware of existence. And, and, not, and not being distracted by social media or, or whatever is going on in this artificial world and being yeah. present to little things like yesterday I spent the entire day on the river on a tube floating with my, my uh, fiancé just floating down the river. Yes. And we, we watched a beaver swim alongside us building his home. Yeah. And it was a cute, fun moment. And it was like so profound. It was like all this shit that's going on around us. And I'm sitting here still on the side of a river watching this beaver build a dam. And it was so, it might sound silly to some people, but it was such a profound moment. And I have those moments regularly in nature where nature's like, be still. Yes. All the shit around you that you're stressing, whether it be bills or that melts away and you realize the profundity of nature showing us that it's not that complicated.
2: It's so true, man. I mean, you, it really makes you realize, um, how, how really how little we need in our life to sustain and to get by. We need, we need fire, food, warmth, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of, lot of moments out, out, you know with some of the places that i guide you know we see a lot of bald eagles golden eagles ospreys you know a lot of beavers a lot of otters a lot of wildlife deer turkey pigs we have mountain lions all kinds of cats and um in you know finding yourself where you know you're the only person on the planet that is witnessing that right then and right there and uh it feels good when it becomes a very regular thing. I love sharing. That's a big reason why I love guiding. It's a big reason why I love, you know, taking, taking young kids out, you know, on the water uh, with their parents or their mentors and, you know, sharing this with them or sharing something that, you know, I see all the time. And, you know, but uh, some of these kids, including my son, uh, you know, are there, they may be seeing this for the first time, you know, and, and uh, you know, that's, there's an organization that I I work with called Cast Hope. Um, and we bring uh, kids and their mentors out on the water and offer them free fly fishing trips. It Honestly, fly fishing is just the vehicle. It doesn't, it it doesn't matter. You know that it just hap so happens that the organization was started by fly fishermen. But the real point of what we're doing is sharing the sharing the outdoors with with kids and trying to ignite a spark um, and then nurture that flame. Uh, for them help, help, help build or help just take care of the relationship that they have with their, whoever that mentor is. Um, and I tell you, man, when I started uh, working with that organization, it, it made me realize that it's probably one of the mo- more important things next to, next to raising my son. You know, but anything outside of my own family, uh, probably one of the more important things that I could be doing. Um, You know, to me, uh, going back to what we were talking about, all the distractions and everything, these days, attention spans are getting shorter. Um, You know, young kids these days, we... We have a term, we call it it, we're in a nature deficit, you know, where a lot of these young kids just do not have the as many moments in their life where they are affected by Mother Nature or they see that beaver, or they see that eagle when they're by themselves on a riverbank or out in the woods or something. And, you know, I'm sure that any of us who actually care about that at some point in our life, someone exposed us to that. You know, for me, it was my parents, my grandparents, um, you know, both my, my mama, my dad, my mama, papa, like they showed us this at a young age. It blew our minds, blew our minds and they connected us with mother nature, by camping, by fishing, hunting, growing food. Um, and as we grew older, we still would hunt for that feeling and hunt for those moments and, and search for the, and, and enjoy that passion. But as we grew older, then we get to a point where we realize like, Hey, I need to actually take care of these places right and by them exposing that to us it gave us a reason and growing up with it it now gives us a reason to protect it and pass it on to the next generation and that's what i feel is so incredibly important for us to be doing is is igniting that spark in the youth of today, igniting that spark and try to help share that passion uh, with young kids today, so they could grow up with a reason to fight for it and protect it when it needs to be fought for. Uh, otherwise, I th- I believe that it's just out of sight, out of mind. You know. I much- take- Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Now you go, Chuck. Go on.
2: Uh, I mean, uh, some of these Cast Hope trips, you know, we've taken uh, these kids out and I notice, you know, sometimes they show up and their hat's low and they're kicking dirt, wondering what they're doing out in the middle of nowhere, you know, just, and fast forward, fast forward, uh, you know, an hour later and their hat's swinging around and they're bug-eyed and they're like look at that look at that what's that you know and and just say man that's a that's called a mallard (laughs) you know and they and you realize wow you know they've maybe this kid has never seen a duck in the wild or maybe they've you know and like i said you know the fishing aspect of it it's just the vehicle You know, it's, it's all about just instilling that passion and, uh, you know, some, some kids gravitate to it and, um, you really stick with it and we try to nurture that, um, And some, you know, it's their attention spans are short and they may enjoy it, have a good time. but We may never see them again, you know, but who knows what that moment did for them and how it will affect the rest of their life, you know.
0: How much do you love being a dad? You seem to me to be somebody who perhaps got the the wild years out of the way when you were younger, and, and by the time fatherhood came around, I imagine you were just so primed and ready for it. You seem to have all the characteristics that a good dad would have. Do you love it? Uh, uh,
2: I'm just I'm just trying to uh, be the best dad. I I mean, every day is different. You know, I feel like I'm learning every day you know i mean i feel like i had the best dad in the world you know um and if i could be a fraction of what he was to me to my son then you know i'm doing something something right you know it's it's the greatest i mean our our son is so incredible uh so full of life and excited about everything um you know it's If anything, I'm, I'm just trying to keep up with him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm 47. So, uh, but what's wild is I remember I had the realization, uh, we got our family together, uh, when my dad was still around on his 80th birthday and I had just turned 40 and my son was just born. And, uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks that, you know, the, my son, you know, was the same age, or I was the same age as my dad when he had me and just that, that whole picture of like, Oh my God, I, when I'm 80, he's 40. And, you know, um, it's, it's, uh it's the greatest. It's, it's a tough It's a tough job for sure. You know, um, my wife, I couldn't, I couldn't do what I do if it wasn't for my wife. You know, she's, uh, she's an absolute trooper. You know, I just, I work, 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 um, trying to, trying to make a, a conscious effort to spend more time at home. I recently made a decision, uh, to stop working on Saturdays and Sundays, and um, just keeping it for the family, especially when he's in school. Um, there's just, I got plenty of work. There's no reason I should be away from home on Saturdays and Sundays, you know, unless I have to be, but.
1: I love that, I man. Got- and I gotta, I gotta touch on this, cause I think this is important uh, for people to hear maybe. Um, I don't have children of my own um, and I like what you're doing with cast hope because I think that it translates into you sort of being a father figure as well to the people that you're taking out. And I think that that is a much greater calling too. And I can kind of relate to that in a small way um, because I do think you can be sort of fatherhood doesn't necessarily have to be your child, right? You could mentor somebody who may need a father figure that might not have one and i think of like inner city children and sure. people who haven't been able to have the luxury of a father uh, and i also think of my my fiance's family who um live in new york city we had her niece and her little sister up um and there were moments that i was Just blown away when they hadn't seen mountains before they hadn't seen fireflies at night they hadn't seen stars shooting stars they hadn't sat by a fire we did all these little things within a a two-day period showed them the first waterfall i'll never forget this young girl just whoa I've only seen this shit on TV, yo. Like she's like, yo, I've only seen this shit on TV. Those are mountains. That looks like a painting. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. blown away and fascinated. And you see this little girl, for example, who's lived a pretty hard life yeah. being, being a child, yeah. going around trying to catch fireflies, um, sitting in awe at the stars. Yeah. And I have these moments where I had tears forming in my eyes, like, wow, this is, I do this. All the time, mm-hmm. these kids have never done these things, and it yeah. dawned on me how important that is, and to have a male figure there that they're not used to having, that's explaining something to them, being positive, being gentle with them, not yelling and screaming. Like ha- I think what you're doing with Cast Hope is is huge, huge, and I'm sure you feel that tug on your heart. Uh, it's much like when you're in an audience and you written these lyrics that mean the world to you and you see somebody singing them back at you like i get what you just said and it puts the hair on my arms up you know like that purpose that you have with with what you're doing not just as a father but as a father figure and i think that's the greater calling and i commend you for that and recognizing that and i'm i'm like i want i want to jump on board with that kind of stuff i was thinking of this recently how can i contribute as well And uh, I think you might have just planted the seed for me to maybe at some point in my life, try to reach out to inner city kids to bring them up on hikes or something. Just like that shit to me is game changing. And I'll never forget when I was a kid, when my father first showed me the stars as an inner city kid and my dad was like, we need to start doing this. So every summer we'd go to the mountains, the white mountains in New Hampshire and having that first moment looking up and seeing the stars, I can still see it as clear as day and it changed my life forever. So yeah, Yeah. cast hope. I commend
0: you for that work. That is, thank
2: you. That's important. Yeah. Yeah, It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing.
0: I'd like to ask you both about music, uh, as we kind of approach the end of the conversation and, 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 you know, instances when songs you've written have touched people and helped inspire them. Chuck hot water music, have a song called never going back, which is a fairly recent song. I think it was off the last album. Right. Um, an amazing song, one of my all-time favorites by you. So powerful, so emotive. I'm guessing inspired by some perhaps dark times in your life and talking about never going back there. Could you talk a little bit about that song? Because uh, Jesse's somebody who writes a lot about you know mental health and that kind of material in his work as well. Um, and yeah, that song for me, Never Going Back, is incredible. It uplifts me whenever I hear it. I'm like, yes, ready to go out and fight another day.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've shared about this before. It's not, you know, as a young, as a young kid, there was definitely, definitely some very dark times. And, you know, there is a side of me that is far from positive. Um, You know, I, I had a lot of suicidal tendencies as a young kid. Um, You know, and even half-ass attempted a couple times, you know, and, uh, you know, I've written about it for years. Uh, I was very lucky to, uh, get, I got put away, uh, by my parents and kind of, well, I went through a couple, uh, almost kind of charter hospital homes, you know, where they just felt like I was, a danger to myself, you know, and, and got locked up for, you know, 30 days at a time. And that never did anything, you know, I mean, I just got put away, and was in a hospital, more or less with a bunch of other messed up kids. Uh, and then I would get out and get along with my folks for a while. And you know, and then it would all start over again and, you know, did a lot of running away from home. And, um, you know, finally they, they heard of another program at the time, it was called the Life Program. Um, and it was a long-term treatment program, a nonprofit organization. Uh, it was down in Osprey, Florida. Um, there used to be a program in the 80s uh that some people are familiar with called straight um and there's even an old movie i think called scared straight uh anyhow that's it was a very similar program to that it was a long term treatment facility uh at when i went in um you know most kids were from the age of 12 all the way to 18 there was a few kids over 18 that were Baker Acted. Uh, but you know the program was more or less like uh, they took the 12 steps of na and aa and they kind of condensed it down to seven steps um, but it had the same kind of uh, elements a serenity prayer and you know this and that and and I ended up being there for um, three years uh, in in my early teen years. So it was, you know, in, in some ways it it's hard to look back and think about how much I missed, you know, by not being in a normal school for those uh, really impressionable years. You know, you learn so much and, High school and whatnot. And, um, but that program, I can honestly say saved my life, you know, and I, I got, I went in there, I was, it took me a year and a half to complete the program. And then I stayed another year and a half as a staff member. Uh, it was a program where it was set up kids helping kids. So whoever was on staff had gone through the program themselves, you know, so That's what, you know, it was the first time that, you know, someone sat down with me, looked me in my eyes, and they were only a couple years older than me and said, Hey, I've been through the same shit. You know, uh, you're not alone. Uh, And, you know, that the concept of that program is they, you would go in and they would literally strip you of, Everything and you had zero freedom. You had nothing. Couldn't you? Couldn't go to the bathroom by yourself. You know you weren't allowed to have a belt or shoelaces or anything like that. And uh, and then their idea was to try to get you to rebuild yourself, to reconstruct yourself, to find your spirituality, to find a reason to you know, still get up and put your boots on and face the day. And, uh, you know, in so many ways, you know, it really kind of defined who, who I am, you know, today. I mean, I, it was the building blocks of who I am today. Uh, it really started there, you know, and I mean, going back to our original conversation about our parents, there was a huge clash with my parents because they were putting me in that place to to turn my life around. And what I did was I did turn my life around, but I found my own spirituality. You know, I found my own and in the outdoors, you know, in everything there. And when I when I came out and of the program and told my folks you know well this is this is what god is to me you know they said no that's that's the wrong <laughs> that's the wrong one that's the wrong way and the clash started again and but i had already i was already sure-footed i was already right where i needed to be was just you know starting uh the building blocks of of building a new life for myself and was already on my way. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, that song you're talking about is about moments like that of, you know, waking up in an alley, just, you know, uh, as lost and just dead to the world as can be. And, uh, and, just never wanting to go back to that, that feeling, that, that uh, aloneness, you know, so.
1: Uh, I can relate <laughs> uh, as far as, you know, finding your own footing and, and never wanting to return to that feeling of being lost and disconnected. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that right there is uh man. I feel like, I know there are people that are going to hear this, that it's going to have a ripple effect in their life. Cause I think a lot of people need to hear that you can find yourself without the confines of maybe how you were brought up. Yeah, And I I always felt that it was confining. I always felt that there were periods on sentences that made no sense to me. I had constantly frustrations with that type of stuff. So it's a message that I think, you know, you almost have a responsibility to put into music, right? It's like, that's, why, that's why you do it, you know? And I can, I can totally relate to that. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I
2: mean, music, you know, for you as well. I mean, like to us, you know, we were invited in into this community and shown that music didn't have to be playing music, especially didn't have to be about, Making money or being famous, seeing your name in lights, or, you know, getting the girl or whatever, becoming popular, that it could be about therapy. It could be about release. It could be about finding the answer, finding just that next step to just become a better human, a better friend, a better son, you know like whatever, whatever it was. And, and, uh, you know, I feel so grateful and lucky that, you know, I had a a few people along the way in my life early on that, you know, taught me like, Hey, you know, I had a writing teacher at this, this, uh, alternative high school that I was put in, you know, when I got out of that program and, uh, I had a creative writing class and the teacher in there used to say, call it a creative license. She's like, you, everyone has a creative license. What that means is you can create anything you want. You can write anything you want. You know, she also was the one that kind of taught me. There's one exercise that she had me do where she would, have me write is it go as dark as I needed to go you know just get it all out get it all out on paper and then burn it and it was just so liberating and get choked up thinking about it because it it made a it made a huge impact you know made me realize that you know the sun's still going to come up tomorrow, you know, and we have a choice. We have a choice to use those, that darkness use those feelings um, to our advantage. We can, we can, we can go any way we want. We really can. And, you know, if there's anyone listening to this that does feel lost or, Uh, you know, where you find yourself in a place where you feel like there is no answer or there is no end, please know and understand that, you know, there's many of us out here that have felt exactly the way that you feel. And, you know, there is always something inside of you that can fight a little bit harder just to get to that next day. Um, there's people around you, even though if it feels like there's no one, there are people that love you. There are people that forgive you. There are people that know exactly how you're feeling, um, even if it everything seems hopeless, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, so.
0: You're a wonderful man, Chuck Reagan. <laughs> it's really good hanging out and talking to you again, man. I wanted to ask you: um, was there a moment or a time period when you and your parents found peace uh, and you know kind of put all of the the differences aside and and reconnected? Because um, obviously, it you know I'm, I'm, gather- I'm gathering that up until you know before your dad passed, your relationship with him was really strong and beautiful, and it sounds like you know you and your mother have a really healthy and positive connection now. So, was there a moment when you all? you know yeah. found peace together because i think yeah. that's important as well because a yeah. lot of people grow up and feel you know anger and frustration and resentment sometimes towards their parents but you can you know obviously overcome those things as well can't you if you you know both parties are Absolutely. willing to meet in the middle.
2: it took some years you know it took uh it took a lot of maturing you know on my part i believe um and uh you know, because I always had that rebellion in me, and I always had that fight. And anytime they would try to, you know, push, um, you know, their ideals on me, um, I would just fight. I would, and you know, there were many years where, you know, we would get along, but anytime, anytime that would come up, or politics, uh, it everything would just explode you know, and, uh, you know, it kind of took me, (laughs) you know, to just not, I can't say I went along with it, but I learned how to, I learned how to change the subject very well. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, talk about, talk about food or fishing, you know,
0: (laughs) common ground, right? Common ground.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it took a while, but we certainly did. We found peace, and um, I love my mother to death. She's wonderful. Um, she has she has her own issues, and I'm learning, you know, that a lot of the stuff and that I grew up with, I know I know exactly where it came from now, you know. Um, but for sure, yeah, you can always you can always figure something out too to make things work a little easier
0: we're all flawed aren't we all human beings are flawed and we need to recognize our own you know as much as recognizing and seeing other people's accountability and ownership of our own is equally important yeah that's
2: the truth that's the truth
0: i feel like uh
1: a lot of important things have been said in this episode and uh it's been an honor honestly uh for me i I've understated a little bit my, my, um, my feelings towards you and your music and you as a person now meeting you has just been great. And I, I know there are people listening or watching rather that are, are going to walk away from this with some tools, whether that be us talking about nature and spirituality or growth or the simple fact that, you know, you stating to people that you're not alone out there, I think all of that stuff is super important. And that's really why this podcast was even started, was to make those connections with humans and to let people know that you're not alone. And this was bred out of the pandemic when we were going through such a crazy, divisive, strange time, which continues on. And I think forever will continue on with humanity. But conversations, like this one are a benchmark of why Matt and I even do this. And, uh, I, I couldn't thank you more for just <laughs> allowing yourself to be raw and uncensored and comfortable enough to just spill everything out to the point where you, you know, got choked up. But those are the moments that I absolutely live for with this podcast. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> a little clump myself. Um, yeah, just thanks, man, honestly. And, uh, it's it's all about this shit it, it's so much bigger than just fucking music it really is it's about who you are as a person and showing that to people showing your vulnerability is more important than anything you know breaking down those walls of what it means to be a performer in a name that someone someone hears that name and they're like oh yeah that person taking that rock star bullshit and throwing it all away and getting down to the core of who you are as a person and why you create the art you you create to me that's everything so i this couldn't have gone better my friend
0: thank you so
2: well i enjoyed enjoyed uh starting the day with you all so thank you
0: it was great to see you the other month as well chuck i had a really good time with you and jim from pennywise and yeah i look forward to seeing you again later in the year when you're back over here
2: absolutely brother absolutely
1: and i'm sure our paths will cross and i will find you and give you a big yeah. damn hug.
2: <laughs> I'm, uh yeah, come check out my river. I'll come check out yours. So yeah.
1: I'd love it, man. Yeah, i'd love to do I'd love to actually I'll I'll talk to you, but i'd love to eventually at some point maybe go out on one of those um those trips you do just to watch oh, how it's done. You
2: you're more than welcome anytime. Anytime.
1: I'll be in yeah. touch, my friend.
2: Yeah. Yeah, get in touch and yeah, i I'd be I'd be happy to take you. I think we'd have a great time.
1: Hell yeah, brother. Maybe Matt, we can put that on a list of things we got to do with this show when we take it on the road. Yeah. The
0: the aim is to turn it into like a YouTube TV series, Chuck. So yeah, we definitely got to do an episode over in California with you.
2: Great idea. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, man, have a wonderful Sunday or Saturday, whatever day it is. Is it (laughs) Saturday? (laughs) It's the weekend. I know it's the weekend. Um, you Sunday. take care my friend and uh yeah I'll, I'll see you later on in the year and thank you again for a beautiful chat you know beautiful chat and everything right. you do
2: all right love you guys have a great time see you later Much see Chuck.